Hi, and welcome to this audio edition of Polygamy, What Love Is This? with host Doris Hansen. On this program, we discuss polygamy and Mormon fundamentalism from a biblical Christian perspective. We talk about the history of polygamy, its modern-day fruit, share stories from people who have escaped polygamy, and talk about current events relating to polygamy. You can learn more about the video edition of this program at whatloveisthis.tv. And now, here's Doris. Welcome to our show, Polygamy, What Love Is This? I'm Doris Hansen, your host, and we talk all about polygamy here and polygamous and contemporary polygamy. And today we have an interview with an escapee from the FLDS polygamy group and an ex-plural wife of Warren Jeffs. But first, we would like you to know that there is help for anyone who needs to run or escape from a polygamy group with the Shield and Refuge Ministry. You can go on the website at shieldandrefuge.org and find contact information, or you can uh, call their toll-free number, which is 877-425-9993, and get information on how we can help you. And all information is held in strict confidence. Also, if you or someone you know would like to be a guest, on our show, or if you have comments or questions about the show, we would love to hear from you. Our email is email at whatloveisthis.tv, or you can telephone us at 385-240-2888. A few years ago, I received a telephone call late one night from a young woman who had managed to escape a very abusive situation in the FLDS polygamy group. She was asking if I could help her get away from family members who were pursuing her at the time. If they caught up with her, they would force her back into the situation that she had escaped from, and they had almost caught up with her a few times already. And making a very long story short, we successfully helped her get away safely. This woman has graciously offered to be interviewed on our show, and so we would like to introduce and welcome our guest today, Lynette Warner, also known as Brielle. Thank you, Brielle, for coming. Oh, thank you for letting me. And, uh, and all you've done. <laughs> well, we appreciate your willingness to be able to talk about your experiences, what you actually went through. Um, <clears throat> I think it's important to get the truth out, especially when there's so much out there that is trying to make polygamy look like it's okay. And your story all by itself stands alone as, as proof that it's not okay. Right. So let's talk about your story. You were born and raised in the FLDS polygamy group. Did did they teach you that it was a privilege to be FLDS? That it would be a privilege oh, yeah. to to be a plural wife. Yes, they definitely taught us all. You know, I went to Alta Academy where they had trainings every morning, and it was all about church. And all my friends and all of us as children, we would you know say you know this is we're going to be the ones that stick through and all this stuff because you want to be like, you know, at the top of, you know, so all you're the your cream of the crop, aren't yeah. you? Yeah. And then you get older and you go, <clears throat> what? <laughs> yeah. I might disappoint you. <laughs> and, and they taught you that it was God's will and a privilege to be a plural wife and to have yes. many mothers. Right. 
Um, my mother actually prayed every day that she would have a plural wife come into the family. And when I was like 14, then we did get another wife. And then you got another wife, my goodness. And it's a hard life. It's a hard life for them. Um, so how much in, in all of this teaching did they use God to threaten you if you disobeyed? Did they use that a lot or is oh, it Oh, so much. Yeah. And, and I, I still to this day have a lot of hard feelings about them saying, you know, I think it's called child abuse to say that, you know, God you have to that. do this or or mm -hmm. else. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I, I feel like that everybody should just be invited into doing what, you know, God wants instead of saying, you know, well, that's if you exactly, don't do this, yeah, then uh, well, That's exactly what Jesus does. That's interesting you say that because in Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, he does. He invites us to come and yeah. he doesn't force anything. And that's what turned me off. My own father said, I'm going to make sure you get to heaven if I have to kick you all the way there. Well, I thought, who wants to be there for that? <laughs> yeah, that's. You're right. We need to be invited yeah. using God's wrath. And then it makes it harder for us when we do get out to accept a loving God. Right. Have you found that to be true? I have. I, I, I still believe in God. But as far as getting all the brainwashing out of my mind, mm -hmm. I've been told even in the hospitals and things that the way they taught us is actually killing people from the inside out. Mm -hmm. I believe of that. The, Kills because of the repetition. Mm -hmm. And it's like... You know, I have a hard time, like, not having those thoughts come into my mind, you know, still. It's like, mm -hmm. you know, I have to, I've, I've been, you know, introduced to a lot of different things, but I'm still, like, you know, <laughs> I know what, you know, I know that I, I believe in God and that I want to, you know, I just, I haven't really. But not the polygamous been, God, not the, not the God they taught no, you about. Not, That's the one I, I rejected that one for sure. Now, you were one of Warren Jeff's. 80 wives right did did that make you feel special or or the opposite well true? I was I was actually teased a lot about being in his family growing up and I was even told even by sister wives that they knew that I was going to join the family before I ever did and so I kind of had a negative you know my sisters and brothers were kind of like you know they'd call me the goody-goody and then they'd say mm. I would never want to marry Warren Jeffs because of you know he doesn't like sandals and stuff, and then they'd say, "Oh, but you're gonna marry him." So I kind of had a negative feeling about it. I, I just, you know, I, I was kind of scared. And yeah. then I had an older sister that was also married into his family, and mm. I just kind of decided that, you know, he should, you know, you know, I just thought I'd just I'd probably never have children. I'll just stand back and wait until that happens with her, you know. So how old were you when you were married to him? I was eighteen. You were 18 my, years old. Yeah, my father didn't want me to get married. Did you have a choice, a say in it, or did they just say, okay, you're going to marry him, here he is, here you are, or how did it happen? It was more like questions, you know. Well, first, he was in hiding, so we were sent up there. So you married him while he was running from the FBI? Yes. Oh, okay. And my mother didn't get to come to the wedding. I didn't wear a wedding dress. It was all secretive, and he just drilled me over some questions, and I felt really... You know, I was really kind of trapped down because I, I had been trained, you know, from birth. You know, all these questions have to be answered right or else, you know. Mm -hmm. So after all said and done, I was like, you know, I wasn't very happy about it. And he actually sent me home on the first night. <laughs> so you married him and he sent you home. <laughs> he sent me home and I went home that night and my whole family had the, ever, the food already. And, you know, they're all dressed up sitting on the couch. And I just walked in and went, 
<laughs> so you were married to him. He didn't like your answers. Is that why he sent you home? And was, was he disciplining you, or did he just? He was disciplining. Didn't me. care. He was disciplining me. I, I I didn't realize it at the time, because I was so indoctrinated. I thought you know you always have to be sweet and submissive. Yeah, and, you know, keep and, sweet. So I just went home, and he'd tell me later. He'd say things like, "I'm sorry, I sent you home on the first night," and I was like, you know. I don't really care. You know? <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> I, I just didn't even realize it until I got, you know, older that he, he actually thought that I had done something really bad in my life, and he actually sent me to a house in hiding, and told me to write a confession letter because he read mm. me wrong. Oh my, my! Now, now you were eighteen. Yeah. When when you he married more more than once. He married twelve year old. How did you get old that old? My father. That <laughs> was my father. He my father. Uh, he didn't really want to get, it was at a time where we had to write a letter that said we were ready to get, you know, father had to write something that said I recommend her. Mm -hmm. And later on it got you know, more and more where Warren Jess would call and say that I recommend them. Uh -huh. But at that time you had to write a letter and my father got in the car that day and he was, he was saying, I turned you in this morning. He wrote that letter that oh very morning. Oh my goodness. So he, he didn't turn you in when you were 12. And that's how, or 13 or 15 or whatever. So that's how you got by yeah. not being married right. before you were 18. My father wanted, he didn't really want me to get married. You said that after thing, after you were married, things got so bad that you didn't even want to live another day. What happened that was that bad? I was harassed, literally harassed, because I went to one of these houses in hiding and I procrastinated. I read the scriptures and I wanted to have some stability. So I studied really hard, and I didn't ever go back to where Warren was until he got caught. And so he was mad at me, and he sent people to harass me because he, he never, you know, he, did. he, he didn't have his time, you know, that he thought he, you know, His time deserved. with you yeah. that he thought he should have. Yeah, so he thought I did it on purpose, and he sent people to harass me, and oh I was harassed word. solid for three years. And then I was sent back to my father's house to, because there's a scripture that says, if you don't understand the rules and everything, by the mm -hmm. time you're eight years old, it goes on the head of the parent. Yeah. They told me to go and find something wrong with my father and, and blame him. And oh I said, word. his father didn't know any better. And so I thought, I'm not going to do that. And I went back there and just stayed <laughs> until, you know, I tried to find ways to get further away because they mm -hmm. were trying to bring me to Texas and South Dakota where it's really hard to get away. Yeah. And it took me a while. Yeah. And... So yeah. was there shame in being sent back to your father's house? Was there any shame in that, or were you? Was that I was the first you? one of Warren's family to be sent back after everybody was taken away. Mm -hmm. He took everybody away when he was on the run. Mm -hmm. But I was the first one of his family to be sent back to Colorado City. Now, when you say houses of hiding, what that was was that Texas and South Dakota were. There were some in Nevada, some in Wyoming, some in yeah South Dakota, Colorado, Texas, you know Arizona. Do they still have those private yes, places? Yes, definitely. And are they secretive wherever they're at? I, I know of some of yes. them, but I certainly don't I know. I know that when when there was circumstances that came about, like when Warren was caught and when um, and when he had, he had a question in one of the houses of, his name was, there was a Musser guy. His name was Wendell Musser. He um, has it on the internet, his story of how he was, he got caught for a DUI. He was a caretaker of a house in hiding. He came home to a house mm -hmm. that was empty. I was living in that house at the time mm. when 
when Warren took away everybody and said that he had turned traitor. And he, when I got on the outside, I found out he really hadn't. Yeah. So during these times, we were moved. Like, if there was any risk at all, they would just drop that house and go to another house, like, overnight. So did you find yourself getting paranoid with that kind of a life? Well, or yeah, not? I was, yeah. like, wondering, you know, in my mind, because he was telling us that we were being sought after and the world wanted to get to us and all this stuff. And mm -hmm. so I was paranoid, for sure. Yeah. Um, it, it came to a point to where you were actually, I, I don't know, were you rebellious? You wanted to get away? They started medicating you, over-medicating you? Tell us about that. Yeah, I was, um, they, I was... I was in a position where I would try to find answers. You know, I wanted to, I wanted to have, because being harassed like that and the things they taught me, I was rejecting. And so eventually they told me that I was guilty of some great sin and then, you know, I was threatened and, you know, that's blood atoma, you know. Mm -hmm. and You were threatened with blood atoma. Yes. Okay. And so after, when they got to a point where I was tattling, you know, uh-huh. They wanted to drug me and just tell everybody that I was crazy. They didn't want anybody to listen to what I had to say because I knew too much. Okay. And so they did. They drugged me. And uh, the only records I had was the ones inside the cult. And they wouldn't let me go to a psychiatrist on the outside because they knew if I did, they wouldn't, right. they wouldn't right. give me the medicine. So the person that gave you the medication wasn't authorized to... He was a doctor, but... I couldn't get on insurance, so like they made my father pay like five hundred dollars a month for my medicine because they knew if they went to somebody that I could get insurance with. But didn't when you got out and they looked at the medication, didn't they look at that and wonder why you were still alive because you were so over medicated with wrong medications? Well, when I got out, I actually it took me a while. I had to get to a secure location, and then you know after I got to where I felt safe mm -hmm. and I then they started to like work on the medication, the medication and stuff so yeah. I actually went without medication for for a while for a that, while that would be kind of scary so you tried to escape they they actually locked you up yeah. in, in solitary explain that part of of your experience well one week before I got locked up I have to back up a little bit they um I went to Flagstaff Arizona and I um went and asked to talk to the police at the, you know, I went to the the people at the place we were at, you know, and I said, I want to talk to the police. I went there with my brother, who actually locked me up in the end. And the police came to me, and they said, we talked to your brother first, and because of your mental state, we made him sign a paper that you have to go back. And oh. I didn't even have any say. Oh. So I was brought back, and I tried to, like, run from his house, and he would drive, my brother would drive up and just, like, yell at me and, you know, force me in the truck. And so I would get in there and I'd go back to the house and after a couple times of that he just locked me up. He put two screws in. He said he was told to put two screws in the window and the doorknob was on backwards. So I was pretty trapped in there even though I was mm -hmm. in Colorado City instead of in South Dakota or you know all these places. I worked my way back to the creek but I was still trapped. He went around to all the neighbors and said if you see her then call you know and I didn't know if I'd get out, but I was. I knew that if I didn't get through those screws before he came home from work, he would put them all up the window. Yeah. So I yeah. found some scissors, and I unscrewed one side, and I pounded on the other side, and his wife was home, and she came in and took everything I was using, and I broke off that side, and she didn't realize I already had the other side done. Oh. So she didn't know I climbed out the window. Oh. And I took back roads to a family that I knew. Their whole family left. 
and I ran through a yard of um, Lori and Ross Chatwin, and Lori, mm -hmm. they've told me that I can mm -hmm. talk about it. Yeah. Um, Lori was sitting outside and she was dressed like people out here. And she, she's like, can I help you? And I said, yeah, you know. And so she drove me up to the family I was going to, and she's the one that knew the organizations on the outside, at least the ones that they contacted at that time. Mm -hmm. And so I was out of the town. There's a Hope organization picked me up. Mm -hmm. I was out of the town before the end of the day. The next day they went through the town with a picture of me and um, went door to door asking everybody if they had seen me. Mm. And I... It's a, you know, I had to work my way to a place where I could go. I, I did have brothers on the outside, but I knew if I went there, that'd yeah. be the first place they'd look. So I had to go far away. They, they tried to, one of the organizations um, actually called my parents and told them. Yeah, there, there was some, some underhanded tattletailing uh, yeah. there. Yeah, and told them, and told them where I was and everything. And yeah. So that's how I got in touch with you guys, uh -huh. you and Holding Out Help. My case manager at the domestic violence shelter told me to drop the Hope Organization and the other one. And I don't know, should I tell you, tell everybody who it was? Well, no, no, let's not do that. Um, yeah. But before you got to this point where you actually successfully got away, um, you had to escape several different times, didn't you? Yeah, I you, tried many times to get away. And, and one of them, what, were, wasn't it in the news that there was a barefoot uh, oh, yeah. escapee? I remember hearing the news, and I, I remember hearing the news, and I cried at that moment, and I prayed to God for you. Whoever that barefoot girl was, Lord, help her get out, I prayed. Uh, Thank you. And, and that was, and then when, of course, I met you and you told me that was you, I was just, oh, my word. <laughs> yeah, I didn't get away that time because I asked not to be put on the news, and they put me on the news. And I just felt like I was going into another trap. Uh -huh. I didn't have a support system on the outside yet to be able to go on the news. Without a support system, then I probably would end up in, you know, a, I'd be, you know, eventually they'd drop me and I'd be in a, you know, uh, committed anyway, and mm -hmm. so I, I, I wanted to work to where I could be with people, you know, mm -hmm. and I just got out there just in time, like, mm -hmm. and there's other people that are locked up in solitary confinement. Yeah, and they are in confinement, and people don't understand, people on the outside actually do not understand that this kind of thing is a normal thing in polygamy, not just the FLDS, it happens in other polygamy groups as well. Right. And that is abuse, uh, and it's certainly, uh, uh, defies the freedom that America is supposed to be all about. Right. And and freedom of religion as well. So you've, you've, your experiences in the FLDS was a living extended nightmare. Right. And, and now on the outside, I'm actually working to, people are actually wanting to help me, you know, get to a better place so that I can, like, I'm, I'm getting into like real estate and stuff and mm -hmm. so that I can like um, show people that you can start at the very bottom because I even last week had somebody tell me that don't you know one of them one of somebody I knew from childhood was talking to me and they said I talked to somebody they didn't tell me who it was and they said they said don't talk to her she's so so fragile her psych will be hurt oh, <laughs> and yeah. so now that I'm getting stronger and stronger it's getting farther and farther in between my relapses and mm -hmm. I, and it's been a real struggle for you, hasn't it, to, yeah, it's to been get a, into normal 
But these people, you know, I'm getting into real estate and they're helping me because uh -huh. they want to use my story to say, I can become a millionaire. Then I can help other people, you know. Yeah. If I can do it, anybody can do it, you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Um, so based on your experiences and, and in the news right now, current events are the uh, polygamy issue has been pretty high with the legislature trying to pass the recriminalize a bill. Now, would you say that the sister wife story is really reality and mm -hmm. do you think that polygamy should be criminal or non-criminal? I, my <clears throat> father, you know, my birth father, he got kicked out a week after I escaped. You know, I thought I was leaving just to hide, you know, and they could look for me for the rest of my life, but they actually did correct my father a week after. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I, yeah. I don't feel like the threat, but they, um, he, uh, he believes, you know, he had two mothers and both of them left. They don't live with him anymore. So he's on that side. And then the people that adopted me, you know, mm -hmm. I had to get that adoption. And then I came back to Utah. So they have, they can't bring me back anymore. There's no legal right. rights. Right. And the people that adopted me are on the other side. So, you know, I'm kind of like, why do you mess with the law? <laughs> yeah. well, they, they couldn't bring you back anyway. You're 18, you know. They, there's no way they can. But I had that same problem. I had to wait until I was 18 but before I would run away. But I was, but I was afraid. Right. You're way past 18. They had they no right to take to you back. They were trying to say that I was committed. And they even told like the people that adopted me. They, when they were, you know, fighting to find me, they, they told her that she you know, needed to turn me over. And she says, show me the paperwork. And they couldn't do it. No. Oh. Because I didn't have any paperwork yeah. that said that. Yeah. Boy, they'll use a lot of things. So you were war one of Warren Jeff's wives. How well did you know him? Was he a nice person, a, oh, a no. cruel person, a quiet? A, how, what kind of a... He was very mean. Him? He was very mean. He always corrected, like every time you talked to him. He always had a correction. And there's been people on the outside now that have said they actually were told to read his letters. And they only sent him the ones that had corrections. So that makes sense why he would only oh correct. Oh, my goodness. So was he arrogant or quiet? Because or? he seems he like was, he's kind of... He's ego. You know, he has a big ego. And he's, yeah. he's kind of like, you know, everybody should <laughs> listen to me and do what I said. And there's even stories of one man who asked him to give... Because he was closer to the nails when he was building. He said, will you pass those nails to me? And he was corrected for that. And he was told, you know, so he... He was told that he was just had the spirit of, you know, you know, correcting authority or whatever. There, um, there are people, I'm sure you've run across these people. I have run across people who don't fully understand the polygamy culture. And they will, they'll hear your story and they'll say something, well, why didn't you just walk away? Why didn't you just leave? Well, it's not that simple, is it's it? Not, it's not that simple. Explain why it's not that simple. You don't have a telephone most of the time. You don't have a car. You don't have, especially if you're in like South Dakota where there's a guard tower and a fence around it, yeah. clear out in the middle of nowhere. How are you supposed to get to the next place before, you know? And there's there's a few neighbors, but it's not like you know exactly mm -hmm. <laughs> right. everything. They don't mm -hmm. educate on that. And I didn't know the organizations on the outside. They don't tell you that. Right. Where are and you going to go? And in Colorado City, if you call 911, you get the police force, you know, that's there that they're trying to like decriminalize now. Yeah. But it's not that easy to just walk away. It's not. And especially Plus the when they chase factor. you. When, when they're they, chasing you. That's, and you have and to that's go scary. far away. And my nephew got out like six months ago or whatever. He said his father actually looked up my name. And my name did come up in the system in, you know, the other place. And 
he said, and there was another name that was in Utah. So they drove Claire up to Salt Lake to the lady's house and knocked on the door just to see if it was me. Oh, so, wow. Yeah, and there was, there was plenty of people that told me that they were searching the roads and everything. So I'm really grateful that it was far away and that I was able to get yeah, my paperwork done. Too. And, and, and let me say, Brielle, it, it's been a pleasure to be able to, to help you. We, uh, the organization that Shield and Refuge helped you get out of the state and to a totally different place, a safe place that you felt safe at for a while, and, and you stayed away until you felt comfortable coming back. What was probably the most frightening part of the experience of getting away for you? Is it going into the unknown, or what, what was most frightening? The hardest you? part for me was when I was told that the, the police force in the Flagstaff told me that they weren't going to listen to my story at all. They had already signed a paper. And then I, I felt oh, like I wasn't gonna I wasn't gonna succeed. I just felt like that, you know, I was I was gonna be trapped. Yeah. And you were for a while. You yeah. Were for a while because of that. Brielle, you you have done several interviews, not just here, but also newspaper and, and magazine articles. Why do you why are you talking about it? Explain what your your reasoning for this is. I know that there are others locked up in solitary confinement. The, he's had children, Warren's had children, one of them was locked up for nine months and only got out because of a medical need. And there's another child that posted on Facebook, many are in solitary confinement. And if you think of the odds of how many, there are like 80 and there's only like five out, you know, mm -hmm. and I haven't even confirmed those five, you know. And the children, you know, there's like 50 children and there's like five of them out, you know, it's like, yeah. it's just not, yeah. the odds aren't very so, right. So you want to help people. I want to help people and raise awareness that they're locked in solitary confinement. They need our help. They need, if you went in, there are some that do want out and there may, there's a lot that are, like I said, brainwashed so mm -hmm. much that they won't want out. But, you know, how can you leave mm -hmm. even one person in there that wants right. out? <laughs> exactly, exactly right. Well, we have less than a minute left, Brielle. Do you have anything that you would like to say to the viewers who will be watching this interview? Um, I, th I think that, you know, I just want to be grateful. You know, I want to <laughs> say thank you to everyone that has, you know, been a part of my... And it's it's right. not just certainly a one-person effort. It, it's a lot mm -hmm. of people that have, have participated in your escape and in your um, rehabilitation, as it were. And you're still actually going through some things to mm -hmm. to get your past behind you. It's been quite a difficult... I'm trying to get a house, like in yeah. Colorado City and... Stuff like that, yeah. So, so polygamy... To help, uh, they have a place for people and stuff. Polygamy, although they teach it's God's will, God would never command this kind of treatment of another human being. Right. 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 That's and that's, that's what I came across. Why would God ever be that abusive to women and children that they are? Brielle, thank you so much. Mm -hmm. I, I appreciate you coming. And certainly we pray for you that God will continue to bless I really I like, like your church. Afterwards. I really do like your church. Thank it's just you. I live in Garcia now, so <laughs> it's like kind of well, hard. <laughs> thank you very much. You know, we are continually shocked that there are still people out there who believe that polygamy is an adult choice and they should be left alone to do what they want. But after hearing her story, any person that cares about another human being should understand that polygamy is not a religious freedom that America is obliged to allow us to have. Brielle is not the only person in polygamy groups who has been placed in isolation, who 
who's been imprisoned on a compound and surrounded by people who would chase her down and force them to go back into total submission. This is not only against the laws of the United States of America, but it is wrong according to the God they claim commanded it. And we do thank God that Brielle was able to escape safely and tell her story. Thank you for watching our show. This has been the audio podcast edition of Polygamy, What Love Is This? This program is a production of A Shield and Refuge Ministry and Main Street Church of Brigham City. You can view current and past video episodes as well as download audio episodes of this program at whatloveisthis.tv. If you or someone you know is in need of assistance in leaving a polygamous situation, please contact us. We are here to help. All of our contact information can be found at shieldandrefuge.org or call us at 877-425-9993. If you have any questions or comments about this or any of our other programs, we'd love to hear from you. Write us at email at whatloveisthis.tv. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll join us again. Thank you.